This is Henry Lopez, and I welcome you to this special series of episodes on the topic of human resources. David Begin recently had an opportunity to speak with Claudia St. John. Claudia is the president of Affinity HR Group and an author and HR professional with more than 20 years experience in human resources. David chats with Claudia about a broad range of topics related to managing human resources in our car wash businesses. From the challenges of recruiting good employees to the impact of federal regulations, Claudia shares valuable and practical information to help us become better operators. This is part one of this series with Claudia St. John on human resources. This episode is sponsored by High Performance Wash Systems. Now, here is David Begin and Claudia St. John. Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Hi, welcome to this episode of How of Car Washing. I'm your host, David Begin. With me is my guest, Claudia St. John. She's the president of the Affinity HR Group. She's an author and HR professional with about 20 years of human resource experience. In Claudia's background, prior to forming Affinity HR Group, Claudia served as a senior consultant for Mercer Human Resource Consulting, the nation's top HR consulting firm, both in Washington, D.C. and Geneva, Switzerland. She was vice president for people for the PEMCO Group and manager of Blue Cross Blue Shield Association National Labor Office. And she was a senior policy associate for the AFL-CIO. And in addition to managing operations for Affinity HR, Claudia is also an author. She's got a book called Transforming Teams, Tips for Improving Collaboration and Building Trust. She's a frequent popular public speaker. Uh, she's been quoted in national industry publications and she's a regular contributor to numerous print and electronic publications on the topic of human resources. And uh, she really enjoys, uh, you know, studying and teaching people about behavioral styles, conflict resolution, and team collaboration. Uh, she has her bachelor's degree in university and a business administration and a master's in public administration from the George Washington University. And she holds a senior professional in human resource certification and society human resource management senior certified professional. That's a big word there. And then she's got a lot of certifications <laughs> for assessments, but I'm not going to even try to mention those. But Claudia, thank you for joining us. No. This is going to be a great discussion, a great topic. This is very timely for us in the car wash business. We're, you know, it's it's a very different different age, and we're 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 seeing a lot of things happen in the economy that really forces us to focus on this human resource component. But what got you into the human? What got you interested in human resources from from the beginning? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm absolutely delighted to be here with you, and I'm, I'm delighted to be working with the folks in the, the car wash industry. Um, yeah, you know, I have to say, when I went to college a million years ago, I had no idea what I wanted to do, and it was really just one of those things of having an, a, a professor say, You're, you seem to like people, you seem to be good with people, why don't, why don't you go ahead and do this? Um, and I, and I uh, one of the things that you listed on the bio is I, I did work for the AFL-CIO, which is, which is the, right. the labor movement. Um, and uh, I just really, really loved sort of the workplace 
dynamic and creating a space where uh, human capital uh, can perform really well uh, and be safe and prosper. And, uh, you know, HR, if, if you think about it, it's a massive sort of field because you can have compliance and, you know, adhering to state and local laws and federal laws, or you can have somebody who just looks at recruiting or just looks at compensation. Um, but I, I really come at it from the organizational development. I'm, I'm, I just love working with teams and helping them learn how to communicate better and helping them resolve conflict and making sure that you have the right people on the right bus, as Jim Collins would say. And, uh, and I, I just love it. Um, it's, it's, uh, I, I'm so glad I fell into it and didn't know what I was doing. If I'd planned it, I probably would have ended up somewhere okay. else miserable, but um it's just so much no, fun. That's great. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really great when you find something you like to do and you found it early and you got to really specialize in it. So that's, that's, that's good, good for you. And a, a lot of people, you know, want, want to, want to find something that they like to do and they enjoy doing as well. So you, you, you exactly. made a big transition from the corporate HR world to starting your own business. And now Affinity HR sort of focuses on medium and small business. Tell us a little bit about that transition and going from working for corporate to, to owning your own business? Yeah, you know, so I had always been somewhat of a consultant. Um, even, you know, even back in those early days when I worked in the labor movement, we were really advising local unions and 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 and, and their employer partners sort of how to, how to reach agreement on certain things. So I'd, I'd always had that role. Um, I, and when I worked for Mercer, I mean, we, we had huge clients. Lockheed Martin was one of our clients, Black and Decker, and um, just really, really big corporations. Um, and then when I went to work for the the company that I was, where I was vice president for people, I enjoyed the work a lot, but I also, within a couple of years, I felt like I had sort of done it. I sort of, you know, the creative side of, of a workplace alignment or of improving employee satisfaction or of getting a company, you know, a great places to work institute certification, once you do that, a lot of it is just the maintenance. And what I've learned is I, I, I think I have a lot of ADD. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just love, I love the diversity of consulting and, you know, small businesses, small to mid-sized businesses, they have all of the headaches and all of the challenges that their big corporate, you know, peers have as well, but they usually don't have any of the talent necessary to help them work through those issues. Uh, so for me, it, it, it satisfies a couple of things. It satisfies, you know, a constantly creative and evolving work day. I never know what's going to happen when someone calls me. Um, and it also satisfies that motivator that I have, which is I just, I, 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 I'm a huge extrovert. I love working with people and I like helping them whenever we can. So uh, again, just just uh, just hits on all cylinders. Whereas working for one company for a, a long period of time, um, I, I think I'm a little too restless for that. That's terrific. That's... <laughs> Don't hire no, me. No, no, yeah, once I think once you become a small business owner, then it's very difficult to go back to the corporate world. It is. But, uh, it is. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's challenge. What are some of the challenges you face running a small business? Being an entrepreneur, you went from being a corporate person, like I did. I worked in the corporate world and then went to running car washes. But what were some of the the largest challenges you found uh, when you started owning your own business and running your own business? 
You know, I, I, I think one of the biggest challenges for me was um, knowing that there's certain things that I can't do and, and getting the right people and saying, I, I, you know, because when, when you start off, you just think you can do all of it and all facets of it and then realizing, oh, I'm really not good at that. Um, one of the other things that we did is uh, when I hired my team, I hired everybody who was just like me. And, you know, we all were extroverted and we were all getting along really well and we had so much fun, um, but we all had the same issues with our behavioral style. You know, we, we all just like to be around people and we like to start things, but not so much finish them and not too data driven and kind of in, imprecise about the use of time. And uh, I, I realized that we were having a blast, but we weren't doing what we needed to do. And so I deliberately started hiring people who had the opposite behavioral style as me. And I can tell you, we have a lot less fun, but we do, I do know that we are really good at looking at challenges. We're much more creative because we have such a diversity of, of style between us that, that that helps a great deal. I think the other challenge, and I'm sure most, this will resonate with a lot of car washes, you grow and it's exciting and you grow and it's exciting and then you hit this one point. And, um, you know, what are you going to, you sort of, can't you top out? It's sort of like I, I don't know how to take it to the next level. And I hit that a few years ago and uh, ended up doing sort of a shark tank sort of thing where we went to a venture capital foundation in New York City that gives seed money to women-owned businesses and went through from, I think there were 50 originally that got out to the finalist of three for some big funding, big, big donor, big changes. Um, and what was really funny, and it was a real aha for, for me, we were an HR company. And, and what we do is we help answer the problems and questions that our small business owner clients have. And they said, not only do we not want you to reach this financial goal that you've got, we want you to hit it at four times that level. And we want you to be technology-based. And I, I thought I could run for this money and, and then, then I won't be doing what we love to do, which is helping our small business, middle, middle-sized business clients. And so, uh, so the biggest challenge is recognizing what you don't know and filling in the gaps and then thinking, yeah, we could grow it really big, but I, then, I, then, then where will we be? I'd rather, I'd rather just keep doing what we're doing. So making the deliberate choice to stay at the level that we're in. Sure. That's great. Yeah. I was looking at your website. You've got a really deep bench of people uh, that have got a tremendous amount of experience, which is exciting to have that, that bench strength in, in your group. Um, mm -hmm. And it's also interesting that you decide to hire people not like you. And I think that takes a little bit of wisdom and, and uh, to, to be able to do that. And I've, we always want to hire people we like, we, you know, and we like people like us, but, mm -hmm. you know, getting that diverse group of people pulled together, people that are not like us, you're going to need some people who are introverts. You're going to need some people exactly. who are more detailed oriented than we are. So you've exactly. got to put together a, a team of people to be able to be successful with that. So that's, that's interesting that, uh, that you did that. And it's great. You're sticking to your, uh, your passion as far as consulting is concerned. I was, I was just going to say, it's so funny because I have one person on my team whose, whose opinion I respect so much because she's so different from, from me. Um, but we had to make a deal that she wasn't allowed to say no. She had to say, well, if you want to do it, here are the things. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, right. like, Please stop saying no to me. I just can't take it anymore. So we figure out a way to work through it, but, but we, we do pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got some people that are like that too. You got to bring them along. You mm -hmm. got to kind of let the idea 
percolate in their mind. And when you're like us, we're excited about the idea. When people want to rain on our parade, it can make it difficult for us to 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 want to bring those people along. But you need those people because oh, they absolutely. they kind of put you in check, and they're the people that are actually going to execute it once once they get it in their mind. It's a good thing. Absolutely, and I'm I'm they all know. Oh, she's chasing another butterfly or another shiny thing. You know, I just I wander off, and oh yeah, you know, they just they bring me back and sit me down and focus me. So it's it's a great thing. That's terrific. So if you were to academically define the word human resources, what would you encompass in that whole process? So, so I don't really know what the proper definition is, but it's really basically all, all facets relating to the human component of a functioning of a, of a workplace. Um, and when I think about it from a, a really big bucket, um, and, and we, we actually, at, within my company, we have four, four different distinct silos. So we have one that is HR compliance and support. That's basically just making sure that, you're, that you've got your federal, state, and local laws taken care of, that you're doing things legally. Um, and then also, you know, what happens when a, when a situation comes up? What, what legally can you do and what you, what you can't do? So it's really sort of playing within the boundaries of what's allowed by law. And what I will tell you is that Every single person, every single company that I know of is not 100% in compliance because it's really, really, really hard to be. So you want to get as close as you possibly can to the best of your possible abilities. So um, that's really one facet of it. The other is um, recruiting, so select, you know, hiring and, and attracting and retaining talent. Um, the third is compensation and, and how, how do we pay? How do we incentivize pay? What kind of incentives can we put in place? Bonus, performance management type things. And then, and then for us, the last is that organizational development. Who do you have on the bus? Are they sitting in the right seats? Once they are, how are you engaging them? How are you training them? How are you developing them? How are you developing them as individuals? And how are you developing your cohorts as an entire class within an organization? which includes succession planning and, and other components like that. And, you know, a lot of times we see within, within the car wash industry, you know, you have, you have folks that are transitioning, you know, from one generation to another or buying from one generation to another. And, and, and how do you deal with that? The pieces that we don't work on um, but are also components of, of HR um, are things like payroll, benefit selection, so the overall sort of um, managing of those of those workplace benefits as they as they're offered, um, we we don't do that. We have partners that we work with um, on that, but but the first four we we do try and and hit. Right, terrific. This episode of the How a Car Washing is sponsored by High Performance Wash Systems. High Performance Wash Systems is the largest car wash distributor and supplier in the Rocky Mountain region specializing in providing car wash equipment and supplies. Serving the industry for over 50 years, they are a full-service provider assisting you with site selection, financial forecasting, obtaining financing, architect and general contractor selection, equipment recommendations, and follow-on support. From start to finish, they assist owners with building and maintaining their car washes. Visit hpws.com for more information. One thing I failed to mention is you do have some car wash experience. You've been working with the International Car Wash Association, I think, for the last two years. Is that correct? 
Um, actually, I think we're three to four. Yeah, three to four. I've been asked. I've been we we just well, I should clarify. Um, I've been the, they've been kind enough to to hire me as a speaker for the last four years. So I've given many many different workshops on many many different topics um, over the last four years. But we just signed with um, the International Car Wash Association as their endorsed HR partner. So um, th- that means that basically we'll we are. Are, we are, you know, officially affiliated with the with the car wash world, um, and and can offer discounts and and any car wash that's out there that has a problem at any point in time can pick up the phone and call us. They don't need a contract. It's because of that affiliation with the International Car Wash um, that we're there. And we also we've had um, an affiliation with the Auto Change, the Oil Change Association, Automotive Oil Change Association for okay. about five years. So we've been in the car care industry for for quite a while and and um are are delighted to have a number of car wash clients that we've worked with over the years no that's terrific yeah good good so that that gives you a lot of experience kind of what we deal with in our industry and some of the challenges we have absolutely uh, human resources has really taken a big change i would say i mean certainly in the 20 years you've been involved with it but in the last 10 years we've seen a lot of fundamental changes go on can you describe what you've seen take place? Sure. Well, I I mean, I think if we look back 10 years ago, it was 2008. And, um, you know, we basically were dealing with employers that were laying off and going out of business and unemployment skyrocketed. And, uh, and, and that really created a huge upheaval that now that it's been right-sided, if, 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 you, we, if we would say that it's been right-sided, has left a very different space. So I, I think, first of all, we're much, much more productive as a workforce. And, and there are many, many more applications technology has really changed things, um, especially in the HR space. You know, now they have, you know, um, payroll systems and HRIS systems, performance management systems, um, so much technology in, in that space, record keeping, um, behavioral testing, employment testing. So that I think that technological revolution has, has been felt greatly in HR. Um, We also see that workforces are way more productive now than they used to be. Um, And I think it was just sort of getting through those lean times of 2010, 11, 12, where, you know, how much can we do with how few people? So really trying to improve that productivity. Also, the gig economy is huge, and we never had that before, at least not to that extent. And they, they estimate that within the next 10 years, there'll be, the gig economy will be a larger um, employer than traditional employ, employment relationships that we've had. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been tremendous. The things that we certainly focus on much more now than we did 10 years ago are things like employee engagement. Um, it's just such a tight labor market now that um, finding good talent is particularly difficult. And so as a result, the, mo- the motivation and the focus is greatly on keeping the talent that you have um, and, and how to do that. And the other thing that I think has has really altered a lot of the HR landscape is is our millennial friends. They are now the largest work for, the largest generation in the workforce, and their values and their system of working and their and their adherence to um, sort of tried and true. Well, this is how we've always done it. Uh, has 
turned a lot of things on their heads. They, they, they are creative, out-of-the-box thinkers. They, they view the workday as a very a much more fluid amount of time than, than those in my generation and those that came before me. I'm a, I'm a Gen X. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 they've definitely done a lot to change um, HR and, and the workforce because, you know, they just, uh, they're technology, they're technology natives and they always bring that attitude with them. I can do this here, but I could also do it better if I had this technology and I could do it from my bedroom. So that's really forced, uh, you know, a lot of changes in, in corporate policy and in, you know, here's our dress code and here are our hours and millennials don't really dig that. So yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And I think a lot of us that are kind of in the tail end of the baby boomers are really struggling with trying to understand the millennials because we we were raised in a much different environment. Our parents still had, even as children, were able to feel the effects of the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And that really put a put a you know burden on the psyche of older people as far as keeping a job. And it was, you know, if you stayed with one job for 40 years, that was a tremendous honor and benefit that, that you stayed with one company and then, you know, but, but nowadays, obviously a lot of that's gone. Companies don't want that necessarily, but, but certainly employee employees don't want that either. And so maybe we're just jealous that we didn't, you know, we didn't think of these things when we were young, you know, Hey, let's go take three months and drive a van and go, go check out the country and come back to work in the fall. Like, uh, like a lot of my, my kids' friends are doing, but, uh, you know, we, we really have trouble understanding them, but, you know the, the the basic I will I will say a lot of the bias that comes into with millennials is that they're lazy they don't want to work hard they want uh, they feel entitled uh, you know all these type of things um, what say you on those those issues when it comes to millennials I, I know they can be motivated we just don't know you know a lot of us struggle trying to figure out how to do it. Well, I'll say the first thing we have to do is we can just turn around and blame ourselves for what the millennials are like, because as parents, we raised them, (laughs) we created them, and and it is our fault. So um, I have to tell you, I think that the millennials are one of the greatest generations, and I, 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 I look at them, yes, they don't tend to have the same degree of loyalty to a job if that job does not speak to their values. They are very value based, um, and and when we when I think of just about the world in which they've entered, when they started working, you know, we had we had the Great Recession. Um, they're getting out of school with tremendous debt. All those baby boomers that were supposed to retire are still sitting in their jobs. That means there's fewer jobs for them. Um, you know, the environment is, is, is not so hot and, it, you know, they, they're, they're dealt a, a, a set of cards that we never had. Sure. And, and so I think the fact that they are um, optimistic and motivated and keep going and, and create new ways of doing things is absolutely inspiring. And, and I think they're going to clean up a lot of the messes that, that, you know, mine and, you know, Gen X and baby boomers laid for them. What I will say about them also is that they are huge proponents of feedback. 
they they got feedback from their parents, they got feedback in their schools. And some people call this, you know, oh, everybody needs a trophy. And some people say, oh, well, there's snowflakes. I don't agree with that. I think that it was a solid pedagogical approach to teach our children that they have a right to get feedback, that they should be asking how they could do better. And they've carried that on into the workplace. And and I actually fault most workplaces, and this is a topic that I'm very passionate about, and, and that is that um, we do a terrible job providing feedback. You know, we can say, hey, you were late, don't do it again, or hey, that's the wrong dress, you know, code, or, or I don't like the way you spoke to that customer. We're really good at constructive feedback, but being able to say, look, I saw you do this and you did it so well. I'm really delighted and proud that you work for me and that you have those skills. We say it to our children, teachers say it to the children in their classrooms, but we don't we don't say it to each other in the workplace. And and it's such a strong motivator to reinforce positive behavior. We just don't do it. And this is a generation that's demanding it of us and I think power to them. I think the I think that they should. Um you know, they get the reputation for being job hoppers. Yes, at some level they are when they don't feel like their contribution or the values of the organization that they're working for are meaningful. But if you can create a space where your millennials have a say, have a seat at the table, are inspired by the mo- by by what you do. So for example, and you know a lot of people I work with the janitorial industry also and they're like, "We're janitors. We clean up crap in the middle of the night, right? Mm-hmm. How is that right. ever going to be sexy?" You know, in the car wash right now is a sustainable way for maintaining vehicles. You know, the, with the with the water reclamation and with all of that, it's a green option. Um, and and you also have people who are passionate about cars. I mean, there's so many ways for this to be a really exciting career and a fruitful career. Um, but taking the time to spell that out for your millennials will be critical for them to feel like it's worth their time to stay there. Sure. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of us, when I look at the, some of the mistakes I made in the corporate world is I gave, you know, one thing that the corporate world back in the old days supposedly rewarded was loyalty. Mm. So if you were loyal to the company, which means you do whatever whatever it took to get the job done, and if that meant sacrificing, you know, time with your family, sacrificing personal time, whatever it is, that was looked upon as being uh, a good thing, and it was rewarded. But a lot of times it wasn't. Then when the layoffs came, a lot of people in my generation were totally shocked that the companies that they were, you know, they were exchanging loyalty for decided, well, you know, we don't need you anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was it was a big wake-up call. So I think in some cases, millennials are being a little bit more picky and choosy about who they work for and not necessarily throwing their whole life, lives into that basket uh, the the you know the, the work basket and I I admire that I, I wish I would have maybe taken a little different approach when I worked in the corporate world and 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 not have done that. Well, you taught them. I mean, that's the thing. I, I joke that you know we created these millennials, but they saw what happened to their parents, or if they didn't see it, they certainly learned about it. That that loyalty was not rewarded, and then they saw it reinforced again. You know, in two thousand and eight, when when again that loyalty was not rewarded. You know, I I think that they are the way they are in terms of being selected and how they dedicate their time and talent and treasure based on the fact that we've encouraged them to do what's right for them. Right. You know, we we've instilled those values on them as we should have. They're good values. 
What's really interesting, so you have a millennial child. I have what's called a Gen Z. So mm-hmm. that's what's coming up. Oh, that's the new All, one. Okay. Gen- that's the new one. All I can say is, um, oh my gosh, <laughs> we, <laughs> let's just hope that cleaning their bedrooms is not a core component of getting good employment because they will yeah. never be employable. But they're a little different than the millennials because they are willing just to do what they need to do to make money. Whereas millennials have much more of, it needs to be very cool. Um, These guys are much more, all right, I'll do this and then I'll work my way up. It's sort of, it's, it's, it's sort of swinging back a little bit back to that, you know, maybe boomer um, Gen X, like, what do we need to do? All right, we'll just get our head down and we'll do it. And, and that will be our reward. We don't have to worry too much about, you know, do these align with my values and my vision in life? Right. Interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah, that that generation is going to even change further as oh, far yeah. as that's concerned. So good thing. So that really focuses the employer. So if you're a sloppy employer, kind of like I've been, you know, in the past before <laughs> in hiring, just thinking people are just looking for a job. I'm not taking advantage of the opportunity to try to develop meaning and values. Here's the values. One thing I'm working on right now through a coach is I'm working on what are the values that I want to have as a culture for the car wash? So what are the things that are going to be important for us? And then as a result of that, we're going to work on, okay, as a, what's, what are the expectations based on the values? So what do we expect mm-hmm. from you? But these expectations are just not rules and regulations. I've got 650 different rules mm-hmm. and policies probably for all my employees in the car wash. But they don't have anything, you know, they don't understand, they don't have clue number one why we have this rule. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm going to reconstruct this more of in a pyramid. Here's our mission statement. Here's our values. Here's our expectations. And here's the policies that fall in with those, within those expectations, which then refer to the values. Hopefully so people can, the, so the people that want to ask, why, why are we doing this? They've got a better understanding of why we're doing what we're doing. I think that's such a great, I, I think taking the time to really focus on your mission and your, and your values. And I think of the two, the values are more important. Um, and, and, and I like to see values that are more than just, you know, integrity and honesty. Well, those things are good, but they're, they're a matter of, of subject to interpretation. Um, I love to see values that say things like, we believe that, we believe that, you know, laughter is the elixir of life. We believe that helping our clients, we help the world. We believe that whatever those values are, because when you have them, you can literally hire and fire to them. They, because they have a moral component to them, they can guide our behavior so that we know what's expected of us at work. And, and one of the things that we know about employee engagement is the number one, the number one thing cited by highly engaged employees is that they know what's expected of them at work. So if you can connect those dots in some meaningful way, here's who we are, here's why we're here, here's why we're doing this. Again, you can really instill that connectedness, like, like I was saying with those millennials, that connectedness so that they know how they fit, how, what, what they do matters, and that they know they're part of a group that shares common beliefs about what it's like to, to be an employee. What is it, what it's like to do this, this work. So I think kudos to you. I, and, and I think smaller, smaller businesses tend to not do that because because there's a connection to the owner and the owner's right there, the owner that they supplant the company's values with the owner's values. And that's not quite the same. 
because the company's right. values are comprised of all of the values of all of the people that work there. It's not a top-down thing. It's here's who we really are. Here's what our values really are. Right. Well, my first one was honesty and integrity, so I'll have to change that or make well, it number no, two. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not so, saying, I'm not saying that honesty and integrity no, aren't good values, but put some language around it. Sure. Yeah. Like what, yeah. And I, I like I like the language of we, we believe we believe this. Yep. I, I like that. I hadn't thought about that, but I, I use we quite a bit, and I actually worked on it this morning because I've I've got to get some something prepared for Thursday. But I was working on. I used the term we quite a bit, but I didn't use we believe because I do want them to believe in it. And yep, you know, it, it, because if they don't, then then it none of it makes makes any difference. Yep. So I think that's because it's a, that's, it, their that's values. Right. It's a belief system. Right. So good. So we're seeing a lot. Oh, I love it. I love it though. Let's say we're going to continue this on. So that'll be great. Thanks for listening to this episode. Part two will be released soon. And thanks to our show sponsor, High Performance Wash Systems. Thank you for listening to the How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.